Good morning. Well, that looks like a fun movie. Um, as Matt already mentioned, uh, we've been looking at uh, different movies, we looked at After Earth and Man of Steel, and looking at the messages that are in those movies and uh, considering uh, some themes, some common themes that are in that movie, and particularly what the Bible has to say about that. If you missed any of those, you can actually go onto our church website, churchinthevalley.com, and listen to those for free, and I encourage you to do that. This week, uh, we're looking at Monsters University. Now, some of you may be thinking that I was asked to do this message because I am a university professor that is completely coincidental, although there are several students this weekend working on a 30-page paper that is due for me who probably think I am a monster. Um, they just need to get over that. Uh, it's, it's good for them. And it hurts me worse than it hurts them. Um, this, move, this particular movie, if, if opening day last Friday at the theater that we were at is any indication is going to be seen by millions of children and parents. And I think that half of those kids in the United States were at the theater that we were at. Um, but just, just real quickly, I want to summarize the movie. The movie gives the background story for the friendship between Mike Wazowski and James P. Sullivan, also known as Mike and Sully. Uh, Mike and Sully are, are now an inseparable pair but that wasn't always the case. The movie is a look at their relationship during their days at Monster University when they, when they meet and when they weren't necessarily the best of friends. From, from the moment these two really mismatched monsters met at Monsters University, they actually couldn't stand each other. When they first meet, Sully is, is cocky and self-absorbent and Mike it's just constantly dreaming of being a scarer and the best scarer. Kind of an all-consuming passion for him. And then an, an argument between the two of them at the beginning of the semester after they meet leads to a, this rivalry between them. And the duo compete to see who's the better scarer for a better part of the semester. And eventually Mike and Sully's petty competition just gets way out of hand with some very, very unpleasant consequences, one of which them, they're getting kicked out of the university that you saw in the trailer. Uh, the movie then shows how Mike and Sully eventually over, overcame their differences and become the best of friends. So there, there's several themes in this movie that actually speak to where we live as human beings. Um, it's, it's a funny movie, it's entertaining, it draws you in. However, it's very serious. The content is very serious. Uh, it deals with things like our tendency to compare ourselves with other people and competition to, to get ahead, competition with other people to get what we want and a willingness to, to be in conflict with other people to do that. Uh, just, just the ugliness of envy and jealousy and how that impacts relationships. But, but also um, talks about the, um, the, the reality of and the importance of being involved 
in teamwork with others. So the, the movie reflects a lot of different values about these issues and about relationships in general. The focus of this message is to look at what the Bible has to say about those things. The Bible actually has a, a lot to say about all of these issues, uh, particularly relationships and, and teamwork. And whether or not we follow the Bible on these matters makes a huge difference in our lives. But before we consider some of those specific things that the Bible teaches, I just want to say, make some preliminary general comments about relationships, beginning with the, uh, the importance, the critical importance of cooperative relationships. According to the Bible, we were actually made to be in cooperative relationship with our Creator and with each other. And life doesn't really make sense outside of cooperative relationships. Uh, life really does go better when we team up together with other people. Real growth and lasting change take place in the context of interdependence with others, not through our own independent efforts. There, there is a, a common cultural idea out there that if you really want to be successful in life, if you really want to have a good life, if you really want to be happy, then what you have to do is find out what your specific purpose in life is and go for that. And then you have to get everybody else in your life to cooperate with that. And that has that kind of bled over into um, Christianity and in, in, or in Christendom with the idea that the only thing I need in order to have a happy life and the only thing I need to grow is just me and Jesus, just me and a relationship with God. And it doesn't really depend on or have anything to do with my relationship with others. And that actually is not true biblically. I'm sorry I keep fooling with this. And I'm just going to go ahead and make it work once and for all and leave it alone. That's done. Um, the degree to which we co cooperate with others, this, this is really the truth. The degree to which we cooperate with others as a, as a team not only impacts what we can accomplish within the different areas of our lives, family, work, church life, any other area of life, but also greatly determines the quality of those relationships. And so I, I just want to say a little bit more about teams and the need that we have to uh, cooperate with other people. Several years ago, I heard an illustration that has been really helpful to me that kind of gets to the heart of this. And the idea, the illustration is this. Imagine back in the 1800s, up in the remote mountains, there are two trappers. And these two trappers cannot stand people. They want, to, they want nothing to do with people. They, they want nothing to do with each other. And they're both on the same mountain, and they just kind of leave each other alone. 
but they're both just really surly. They, they just can't stand people. They don't get along with people. And the only thing they care about is trapping animals for the furs to then take down the mountain to sell the furs and then go right back up the mountain. And that's all they want to have to do with people. Well, one day they figure out, they both begin to think independently. You know, if the two of us got together and pulled our resources, we could actually make more money. We can profit. So they decide to come together and begin talking about how they can pull their resources together and take it down the hill and uh, make more money and then come back and do their own thing again. So the question is this, what would it take for those two incredibly selfish individuals who can't stand people to accomplish something together? It would take them having to communicate with each other. They would have to come up with some kind of an agreement. They would have to decide how to distribute the profits. They would have to decide who's going to do what. They would have to actually set aside some of their own desires in order to cooperate together. They would have to um, actually meet occasionally to talk about it. Uh, they, would, they would also, they would have to get past themselves in order to do that. Now we can go on and on and on. It turns out, as you answer the question about those two surly trappers, that what is required for those two very selfish individuals to actually work together toward a common goal is what is required for every relationship to work. Because we were made to work together in relationships in teams. So I want to talk about the nature of teams just very briefly. Here, here then is a definition of a team. It is people cooperating with each other to accomplish a common goal. The truth is that we can't do most of what life requires without teaming up with somebody else or others. And unfortunately, that requires us getting past ourselves. I say unfortunately because that's hard to do. Despite how crucial teamwork is, selfishness and pride pull us toward competition, toward competing. And it's a real battle to cooperate and work well with others. Everyone is part of a team. And all teams have a goal, a mission, or a purpose. It, family. Family uh, involves teams. Uh, marriage is a team. Uh, just the whole family as a whole is a team. Uh, the goal is to uh, raise kids who are successful in this world. Scripture says the goal is to raise godly offspring. And that, that requires us working together to do that. And at work, there's a lot, there are teams at work. Bosses and workers are a team. Uh, work project teams. Uh, and the goal is a profitable product. In church life and in ministry, we work together as a team in ministry teams. And the goal is to accomplish the mission that God has given to us. God intends for real personal growth and maturity. 
to happen in the context of certain kinds of relationships and in the context of our working together with others to accomplish something. To actually change in the context of relationships, we have to rely on God to make a movement away from thinking about ourselves to thinking about what it means to cooperate with others and work together with them. So, there's, there are a couple of attitudes toward life that are required in order for us to do that. I want to talk about what those attitudes are, and then I want to talk about the difference that that makes in working together on a team. So, the first thing, the first movement we have to make is from pride to humility. And what this is, is a shift. This is a shift from deserve to serve. As we help people with their goals and choose to allow, to choose to show consideration and respect as we relate to others. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4 talk about this. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. This is about our basic approach to life and relationships. It's how we see ourselves in relationship to God and others. And how we see ourselves in relationship to God and others impacts what we actually do. So it says, do nothing. Don't act in any way. Don't say things. Don't think things. Don't do things that are from this basic approach to life, and that is selfishness. Our actions, particularly how we think about and treat other people. So in this verse, we find two basic orientations to relationships. Arrogance or humility. And they are diametrically opposed to each other. Arrogance is this. Arrogance says this approaches relationships this way. I am more important and more deserving than anybody else. Because I am, what I want is more important than what they want. And they exist in order to help me accomplish my goals and what I want. Uh, Humility says the opposite. Humility says, you know what, others, others are actually more important than I am. And I am at least no more deserving than they are. So these are, these are two basic attitudes and approaches to relationships that people take. Arrogance keeps us from having the kinds of relationship that allow us to truly grow and mature. When we approach relationships with arrogance, it actually works against us. It, it, because it, it creates a kind of dynamic in the relationships that, that is not um, healthy, that doesn't uh, build in us and each other the kind of things that really help us grow spiritually and into maturity. The other shift that we have to make the under, basic underlying attitude is to shift from selfishness to teamwork. Now, this is a shift from 
the, uh, the thinking of me to thinking in terms of we. As we decide to move past conflict and toward teamwork. And in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Philippians, it says, Let each one of you, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is where humility leads us. It leads us to consider how, how we can be a help to others in what they need. And this, this is absolutely required for working together with others to accomplish goals. So I, you, I included in your handout a chart that gives a summary of these attitudes and behaviors that build teamwork. And I want to compare and contrast the, the specific strategies that come out of these two basic approaches or attitudes to relationships. Uh, strategies, there's two kinds of strategies or groups of strategies. There's strategies that just kill teamwork. That just kill the cooperative effort to accomplish something. And then there are strategies that come out of the attitudes of, of humility that build teamwork and allow us to really work together to accomplish something, whatever that might be. So on those things that kill teamwork are competition, comparison, and conflict. And those things that build teamwork in contrast to competition is cooperation. In contrast to comparison is complementarity. In contrast to conflict is caring. So I want to look at each of those, what those are, what Scripture says about those, and just help you understand um, the, the dynamics and for you to consider where you're at in your own relationships. Um, not so that you feel bad, but so that you understand the direction that leads to good, healthy, cooperative relationships. First, the first killer is competition in contrast to the builder of teamwork, which is cooperation. James 3.16 says this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. What competition, the the heart of competition is self-promotion. Promoting myself, seeing other team members, not as people that I cooperate with, but people who are a threat to what I want. So they... So I have to compete with them. They, they have an agenda. I have an agenda. And we're competing against each other to get that, to, to um, accomplish our own agendas. Uh, I want something, and I need others to cooperate with me to get that. The, the builder of teamwork is cooperation, the opposite of this competition. Romans 12, 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Cooperation is getting past myself to work together toward a common goal with with other people. It's working toward harmony. 
We are called to do something and we need to work together uh, to move toward that. And the key to that is humility. So I want to give you a couple of examples or illustrations that help you understand this, the difference between competition and cooperation. Several years ago, I heard this illustration uh, about a guy who had a dream. It's not a true story, but it does illustrate this. He had a dream. He had a dream about heaven and a dream about hell. And his dream about heaven, he saw this banquet table. Actually, I will, I'll do the hell one first. He dreamed about hell. He saw this banquet table, this beautiful, beautiful feast laid out on this huge, long table, and everybody was sitting there. But everybody had these really, really long spoons. And none of them were able to enjoy the feast because they kept trying to feed themselves, but they couldn't do it because their spoons were too long. And then the scene switches to heaven. And it's the same banquet table, same feast with one huge difference. Same spoons, same long spoons. They were feeding each other. So they were enjoying the feast. The fact of the matter is, this really does illustrate reality in life. There is a feast of goodwill that God wants us to enjoy in relationships. And when we are working against each other, when we, we need each other because we don't have the right tools to get all of that ourselves, what we need. We actually depend on relations. So we have to feed each other. That is a picture of cooperation. Now, another example of this is actually personal. It is in my own marriage. Early on in my marriage, I had tremendous difficulty because it, well, we had difficulty in our marriage for at least the first five years. I'm sure it was longer than that. Because I, I had this crazy idea. I didn't think it was crazy at the time. That my wife, Tina, that her entire purpose in life, her whole existence, was to meet my needs. And I believed that for a long time. Um, there are a lot of problems with that. Not the least of which was, she did not share that view. <laughs> uh, she had a hard time cooperating with that. And we had a lot of conflict because of that. Uh, it, it got pretty serious. It got to the point where she wasn't sure she wanted to be with me anymore. I don't blame her. Now, through a, lot of, through a series of, of, of events and God working in my life, uh, he helped me to understand that. And I, I admitted that and I repented of that and began to re- relate to her in a very different way. And we started cooperating. And, and by God's grace and Lord willing, this Friday we'll celebrate 38 years of marriage. I'm very, very grateful for it. And things, things began to turn around from that point on in our relationship that is now very sweet. The other thing, the other a relationship killer is comparison. This is when our goal is competition. When our goal is competition with others, then we just naturally make comparisons. That's what we do. That's wondering how I measure up to others. The Apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, 
including letters to several churches giving instructions on how members are to relate. Um, with also how they work together in teams, said this to the church that he founded in the city of Corinth. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves with one another and compare themselves with one another, they're without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us, to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach uh, you. For we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond the limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. So that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of the work already done in another area's area of influence. Paul talked about how they commended themselves. This is comparison. At the heart of comparison is self-promotion that takes two forms, either promoting ourselves and expecting others then to acknowledge how wonderful we are in anything that we do and getting upset if they don't do it or wishing that others would just recognize how wonderful we are without us having to tell them, and then getting upset when that doesn't happen. Uh, This happens in marriages. This happens in in work. This happens in church life. What it really is, is boasting beyond our sphere of responsibility. It's seeing life in terms of how I measure up to others, rather than seeing life in terms of what God has assigned me to do and what I need to be faithful to do. Comparison always leads to jealousy, sometimes bitter envy, and is very destructive over time. Without understanding, Paul says it demonstrates a simple-minded idea about life and relation. But the truth is, when we compare ourselves to Christ, we all fall short. The builder of teams is a word that we don't often use, complementarity. It simply means this, that I need you and your abilities and your uniqueness to combine with what I do and my uniqueness so that we can accomplish something that we cannot accomplish by ourselves, which are most of the important things in life. It's the opposite of comparison. Um, First Corinthians, and for the sake of time, I'll just... Uh, highlight this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, he's talking to the Corinthians, and the Corinthians are very, very conflicted. They're having all kinds of problems in relationships. There are certain leaders that they are identifying with. Some said, he says this in chapter 1, I am of Apollos. Others, why am I of Paul? Some say, I am of Peter. We follow him. And then some say, well, we even have a corner on Christ. And Paul actually makes this statement to them in verse 1. I thank God that I didn't have anything to do with any of you if you're going to act that way. And in chapter 3, he calls them a bunch of babies. And then he said, look, here's the perspective. Here's the perspective. I planted the seed. Apollos came along and did his thing and watered it. But God was the one causing the growth. None of us can take credit for that. So we work together as a team 
So stop acting like a bunch of babies competing with each other and learn to work together according to your area of responsibility. We have roles to play in the bigger scheme of our common goal. And working together means that we are faithful to do that. It's really not about what we're called to do. It's really about who called us to do that. I've, I've had uh, several different kinds of experiences throughout my life. One of those years ago was river rafting in New Zealand. This was... Uh, in 1980, and the kind of river rafting we did was, uh, was on number four and five river, if you know anything, that's it's really dangerous. And the, we, we didn't realize this was going to happen, but when we got there to this river, uh, the people that organized this um, handed us wetsuits to change into. It was already snowing outside, we were freezing, and the water... Uh, they told us if we fell into the water, we have 30 seconds to live because our muscles will cramp up and we can't move. So all the way down that river, that's what I thought. 30 seconds, 30, do not fall in. But one of the things that that, that that absolutely required, we were on these big pontoon rafts that we were straddling because it was a soft bottom boat. And uh, this big burly guy in short pants, and then big wool socks and, and, and a tank top t-shirt, no wetsuit. This was a real man. And his name was Wormwood. I, I don't know. He just, he was bigger than life. But he was, he was instructing us before, and he told us a couple things. He said, you do exactly what you're assigned to do because everybody's life in here depends on it. Don't worry about what other people are doing. You do what you're assigned to do. And two, when I say grab that rope and hang on, you hang on. Three, you, you use your paddle the way I tell you to use it. And then you have to, if you're ahead of somebody, if, if that soft bottom hits a rock, you, you say rock because a person has to pull their leg up. If they don't do that, that rock will break their shin. And we did this all the way down the river. But it's a perfect example of what is required to work together. Conflict versus caring. The other killer and builder. Conflict comes out of this mindset of competition and comparison. Uh, James 4 talks about this. says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. This is fighting others and the team to promote my own agenda. Strife comes out of me insisting that I have my way, insisting that things go my way. Then I get jealous. Then that grows into bitter envy. Then I'm willing to take some action against other people. The opposite of that is caring. Philippians 2.4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Having the best interest of my teammates is what caring is about. And it requires me 
getting past myself. I've, I've had several opportunities to lead mission trips and be part of short-term mission trips over the years. And several years ago, I, I was... And one of the things that, that, that I've experienced on every trip is there's, there's at least that one team member who has a selfish agenda. They, they are determined for certain things to go their way, and so they get, they're going to fight the team at, at any point. Now, I understand that because at some point in a mission trip, I, I begin to think, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> this is what I want. But it, it requires getting past yourself to just keep working together to do this. There were two team members, one who um, was always trying to get out of things. And at one time when, when it required all day doing this, this really major task of, of helping high school students um, in, in, in doing some athletic kinds of things. One of the st students who, was, who was, uh, had a major role in this started to feel a little queasy in his stomach and said, you know, I can't do this. And he just, he checked out. Um, he probably wasn't sick at all. He just didn't want to do it. Another guy who was also part of that team was very, very ill. I mean, he was ill to the point where he could hardly get up. And his attitude was this. It doesn't matter how sick I am. I need to help the team out. And he did it. He just kept after it. And then when the whole thing was done, he dropped. Uh, that's somebody who's thinking more about what the team needs and cares about fellow team members than he does about himself. Uh, what the, these result in two different things. I just want to highlight these real quick. These team killers lead to a chaotic destruction. James 3.16 says, For where selfish jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there, is, there will be disorder in every vile practice. There will be discord, disorganization, confusion, and this underlying anxiety or worry that everything is not really okay. Uh, this is true in, in a family. This is true at work. This is true in team ministries. The opposite of that is a, um, a, a cooperative effort that leads to building up and productivity, a calm productivity. Calmness is this idea that we are at peace with each other. And uh, scripture talks about this. In, in James 3, 17, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruit, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. Romans 12 talks about living peaceably with all. But what happens when we are doing things that build up teams, getting past ourselves to do that, there is this calmness and peace that occurs in the organization and in ourselves. I, I'll, I'll wrap up the message with, with this example. Several years ago, I worked at an aerospace company. 
We made airplane seats, and we had contracts with every major airline. This was in the late 1970s. We had contracts with every major airline in the, in the world. It was a multi-billion dollar company, but it was filled with team killers and relationship killers. People were mistreated. Uh, people were inconsiderate with each other. Management was inconsiderate of others. There was a lot of unethical things going on. And over the, the three or four years that I worked there, I watched a multi-million dollar company completely destroyed because of the way people treated each other. Uh, and it no longer exists. It actually folded about two years after I left. And I know why. Because like a cancer in an organization, all of these things that kill teamwork uh, were patterns in the way people worked together or didn't work together. And it just destroyed it. I've seen this happen in marriages. I've seen this happen in families. I've seen it happen in work. And I've seen it happen in ministry teams in the church. These principles really are real. If you apply them to your family, work, church, or any other area where you're part of a team, you, you will experience positive differences in relationships. Uh, there are some next steps that will help you to do that, that you uh, have in your handout. One of those is to think about, to memorize uh, and think about Philippians 2, 3 through 4. These are the key underlying attitudes for building teamwork. Another thing you can do is purpose. You're, you're part of teams right now. Think about some group or team that you are part of. And this week, purpose to, to be cooperative with fellow team members. Think about that and how you might be able to do that. And then there are also some steps that you can take to help you get more connected to people and to begin to learn how to work together with others. Church in the Valley. Uh, that's one of the things that we cover in the Church in the Valley preview. So that's something that you may want to attend. And then, there, then we have several different meetups during the summer that can help you get connected with people. Attend the matinee movie um, on the 29th. Attend the hiking meeting on the 7th uh, uh, or 6th of July. And then there's a women's bunko meetup that will help you get connected on July 13th. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word and the practicality of your word how it speaks to real life, how it speaks to where we live, and particularly about what makes relationships good and what doesn't make them good. You've made that very clear to us. You could have just left us to ourselves. You could have left all of that up in the air for us to figure out ourselves, but in your love and your grace to us, you revealed to us in your word some very specific things about how to get the most out of life and how to have a life that is really rich and full and a blessing to ourselves and others. So as we consider 
those things about right relating. Uh, help us to become convinced that they really are true and help us to learn to trust you as we get past ourselves to cooperate with others to accomplish the things that you have given us to do and what a privilege it is to be part of your team. I ask these things and commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.